Nuclear horror. <laughs> well, it's not hard to find genuinely scary stories about nuclear. And it's Halloween, the one time of the year when we are supposed to scare ourselves and each other spitless. So these days, what better way to scare us all than nuclear? Activists in particular know about the dangers and have a clear picture of what to fear. So when you ask them, what scares you most about nuclear? And they tell you. The powers that be have no solution to the problem of mounting nuclear waste, deadly for an eternity, stranded at sites all over the U.S. It's ubiquitous. It's all over the planet now. Radioactive material is accumulating in the environment for our children, adults, and other creatures of the Earth. What scares me most about nuclear weapons is that I'm going to die under a nuclear weapon. Well, when these four and more than 30 other act activists who oppose nuclear voice their deepest fears about the threats posed by that deadly technology, they will undoubtedly mention at least a few of your own. And in that way, remind you and me and all of us exactly why we continue to fight against being stuck in that scary, awful, dangerous seat that we all share. Nuclear hot seat, what are those people thinking? Nuclear hot seat, what have those boys been drinking? Nuclear hot seat, the corium is sinking. Our time to act is shrinking, but our activists are linking. Nuclear hot seat, it's the bomb. Welcome to Nuclear Hot Seat, the weekly international news magazine keeping you up to date on all things nuclear from a different perspective. My name is Libby Halevi. I'm the producer and host, as well as a survivor of the nuclear accident at Three Mile Island from just one mile away. So I know what can happen when those nuclear so-called experts get it wrong. This week, it's a special for Halloween. I asked more than 35 anti-nuclear activists from around the world, what scares you most about nuclear? And their answers are really eye-opening. They're varied, well-articulated, and scary enough that this is one spooky Halloween feature that you will not forget. We will also have nuclear news from around the world, numbnuts of the week for outstanding nuclear boneheadedness, and more honest nuclear information than artificial intelligence will probably ever let the rest of us know. All of it coming up in just a few moments. Today is Tuesday, October 31st, 2023, and here is this week's nuclear news from a different perspective. Starting off in Japan this week, where two men have been hospitalized after they were exposed to radioactive liquid while cleaning the Alps water filtration facility at the wrecked Fukushima nuclear plant. The exposure occurred when they were cleaning pipes at the Advanced Liquid Processing System, also known as Alps, when a hose channeling radioactively contaminated solutions came loose, spraying the liquid on five workers. The two men who were hospitalized were not wearing a waterproof outer layer as is required for such cleaning work. They underwent decontamination procedures at the plant, but their radiation levels did not come down sufficiently, and decontamination of their skin continued at the hospital, where they had been put under observation for at least two weeks. 
Ironically, last Tuesday, the International Atomic Energy Agency began its first safety review on Japan's discharge of radioactive tritium-contaminated water from the Fukushima site. While the IAEA claims that the water release is, quote, progressing as planned and without any technical concerns, there are questions about deficiencies in the IAEA's testing method. We'll be covering that next week on Nuclear Hot Seat with marine biologist Tim Deer Jones of the UK explaining what the IAEA is not testing for. One Nuclear Hot Seat listener wrote to point out that ocean currents travel north along the coast of Japan, up to the coast of Alaska, and down the U.S. west coast before traveling west back to Asia. So it is possible that fish caught south of Fukushima might not be too bad, at least for now. So from what direction was the water taken at Fukushima by the IAEA? And as if that wasn't enough... The U.S. has for the first time begun buying seafood from Japan to supply its military there. This in response to China's total ban on seafood products from Japan. U.S. Ambassador to Japan, Rahm Emanuel, said that the purchases will be used to feed military personnel and be sold in shops and restaurants on military bases in Japan. They're already starting with scallops, but no word if the seafood is being tested for radiation levels before being fed to our troops. And, of course, it takes years for radiation exposure to show up as illnesses in the human body. So by the time anything shows up in our soldiers, good luck getting compensation under the Radiation Exposure Compensation Act. Around one million nuisance calls have been made to the Japanese embassy in Beijing since the release into the Pacific Ocean of radioactive tritium-contaminated water from the crippled Fukushima nuclear power plant. After peaking at 40,000 calls on August 25th, the day after the release started, it has stated around 15,000 calls per day. Most callers harshly criticizing Japan over the water release or just remaining silent. Tokyo has repeatedly asked the Chinese government to deal with the calls, saying they impede operations at the embassy, but the situation has yet to improve. And Oppenheimer, Christopher Nolan's film about the creator of the atom bomb, has not yet been shown in Japan, the only country where the weapons have been dropped. Oppenheimer has been released in South Korea, China, and other Asian markets, and has been a financial success in all locations. In Ukraine, a Russian attack on the Kamelnytsky region in western Ukraine resulted in damage to the buildings near the region's nuclear power plant. Local authorities stated that falling debris damaged, quote, critical infrastructure. The reactor is located 450 kilometers, 280 miles, west of Kiev and around 950 kilometers, 590 miles, from the front line. Two days later, on October 27, Russia's state nuclear plant operator Rosenergoatom claimed that at least three Ukrainian drones attempted to attack a Russian nuclear plant located some 110 kilometers, 68 miles, from the border with Ukraine. Russia announced that the attack did not affect the operation of the plant, with no casualties or damage, but Baza, a news channel, said that one of the three drones exploded and damaged the facade of a warehouse building at the nuclear waste storage facility. Here in the U.S., nuclear power startup NuScale is facing investigation by lawyers after a report by short-seller Iceberg Research alleging that the company sold 24 of its not-yet-existing reactors to a quote-unquote fake customer, 
Iceberg Research claimed that the deal, estimated at $37 billion, had, quote, zero chance of being executed, that Standard Power will be unable to support the contract, and that NewScale has, quote, around 15 months before its cash runs out. Last week, shares in NewScale dropped around 10%. And now... Nuclear hot seat, nuclear hot seat, nuclear hot seat, none that's out of week. Hey, did you hear about the 2023 International Nuclear Science Week? Neither did I until after the fact. Apparently, this is the 14th year of what is being called, quote, an international annual celebration to raise awareness and understanding of nuclear science and its applications. Not its implications, its applications. It includes a diverse range of activities and events organized around the globe to showcase the numerous applications of nuclear science. It cites what they call the five pillars of nuclear science and see if you can figure out which of these are lies. Carbon-free energy, global leadership, transformative health care, innovation and technology, and space exploration. Those are the five pillars, but they don't mention the sinkhole that is the waste. The event features interactive exhibits, workshops, demonstrations, and documentary film screenings. What are you willing to bet that even the one that happened in Del Mar, California, just down the road from San Onofre, did not screen SOS, San Onofre Syndrome? But they do offer two-hour walking tours of the San Onofre facility, what's left of it, and never is heard a discouraging word about nuclear. And dig it. As part of the program, outreach activities were arranged in collaboration with local schools, offering students the opportunity to engage in hands-on experiments, demonstrations, and career exploration opportunities. It's an orgy of propaganda and self-promotion cleverly disguising a recruitment campaign to get those little brains acclimated to nukes good, people who oppose nukes bad. Fourteen years they've been doing this around the world. And that's why International Nuclear Science Week, which is subverting the youth of the planet towards nuclear, you are this week's Nuclear Hot Seed, none that's out of week. We'll have this week's featured set of interviews in just a moment. But first, no doubt about it, nuclear is scary. Radiation is invisible, so you can't see it, smell it, taste it, hear it, touch it. Not even a ghost of a chance of identifying it without special equipment. But that doesn't mean that the smallest speck of radioactive material, if it gets inside you, will haunt your health, your DNA your reproductive system, and your genetic downline. Forever. It's hidden. It's everywhere, hanging around, waiting for the chance to yell, Boo! And remind us that we're all at risk from its deadly consequences. Radiation doesn't care about your age, race, religion, weight, how much money you have or don't have in the bank. Radiation is an equal opportunity destroyer of health and lives. And while, some dark and stormy night, you might run out of gas and be tempted to knock on the door of an abandoned nuclear facility and wait to see who or what answers, it's never going to have a cheerful outcome, and the results may, over time, be devastating. That's why now more than ever, you need Nuclear Hot Seat. 
We're dedicated to presenting you with expert interviews that contradict nuclear industry propaganda talking points. We cover not only what manipulations the industry is up to, but how brave activists from around the world, such as the ones you'll be hearing from today, are fighting back and encouraging you to take action towards stopping the nuclear madness as well. But in order to keep doing this work, we need your help. The show runs on donations, so if you want Nuclear Hot Seat to keep going, support us. Now, don't wait. Go to NuclearHotSeat.com, click on the red Donate button. Be it a one-time impulse or an ongoing support of the show every month, you are what makes it possible. We're a 501c3 nonprofit, so your donations are tax-deductible. And if you have Zelle, you can send money directly to info at NuclearHotSeat.com. Don't wait. Go to NuclearHotSeat.com and donate right now. And know that whatever you can do to help, you've got my gratitude. Now here's this week's special Halloween feature. Halloween is supposed to be a scary holiday. And I can think of nothing scarier than nuclear. So I decided to talk with some people who know a thing or two about nuclear to find out what about it scares them the most. So much to choose from so little time, as virtually everyone I recorded could have spoken for an hour at minimum. But I wanted to hear from as many people as possible for the show, which required limiting the length to a minute, more or less. You'll hear little snippets and snapshots from more than 30 individuals, from frontline anti-nuclear movement leaders to audience members at the showing of a really scary documentary about the San Onofre nuclear power plant. The sound quality varies because some of these comments were recorded over Zoom, others left on my phone's voicemail, some were recorded under seemingly professional circumstances and sent to me fully produced, while others were in person at noisy events where I, where I stuck the mic end of my iPhone in front of someone and said, talk to me. Note that in some instances, people make reference to the film or the canisters. That's because they were recorded at the world premiere of SOS, San Onofre Syndrome, the award-winning film about the two Southern California nuclear reactors and the resulting storage of high-level radioactive waste in thin-walled canisters within 100 feet of the Pacific Ocean. Are you scared yet? Well, maybe you will be before too long. I spoke with all these people on various dates during September and October 2023. Dave Kraft, Director of Nuclear Energy Information Service in Chicago, Illinois, www.neis.org. I would say the scariest thing is the subtle and undercurrent existence of ignorance that links nuclear power and nuclear weapons. People don't get that the two are inextricably linked, and they think they're actually helping the world by having nuclear and fighting climate change, not realizing that they're actually investing in nuclear proliferation at the very least and killing off any chance we have for a renewable energy future. My name is Dawn Chapman. I live in St. Louis, Missouri. I'm the co-founder of Just Moms STL. I'm the mom of a family who's been poisoned by Manhattan Project radioactive legacy waste left out in my community for decades from World War II. And what scares me the most about nuclear is They have no idea what this does to people and how harmful it is. And their formulas that they're using in the latency period, it's wrong. It's bogus. They don't know 
and we are paying a horrific price for their lack of willingness to find out. My name is Demacia Lopez. I'm the executive director of the International Depleted Uranium Study Team. And what scares me most about nuclear weapons is what I just saw in Gaza. Those people were getting killed, not knowing from minute to minute if a bomb was going to fall on them. And I wonder about the same thing in my life with the, what's going on with the issues with Russia and others. And now that this has happened in Hamas, in, in Gaza, people are taking sides. And I'm wondering where this is leading. Is this an entry into another catastrophic position where, where war will become almost inevitable? What scares me most about nuclear weapons is that I'm going to die under a nuclear weapon. My name is Jan Budar. I am a board member of the Nuclear Energy Information Service in Chicago. What scares me the most about nuclear is that some people believe nuclear power plants are a foil for climate change. Climate change is the victor over power plants. If the rivers become too warm or dry, they have to be shut down. If there's too much rain, they are in danger of flooding. Tornado and hurricane winds can disrupt their safety devices. Nuclear power plants are victims of climate change, not a solution to climate change. Real climate solutions are not radioactive. My name is Gary Hedrick. I'm co-founder of San Clemente Green. The thing that worries me the most or would be most frightening is if we didn't do anything with the nuclear waste. It's so easy to forget you know, out of sight, out of mind, and then it's over. So the best outcome would be this movie would change that direction and we could forget about Halloween and think about Thanksgiving. My name is Greg Mello. I'm with the Los Alamos Study Group in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And what I think is the scariest aspect of the nuclear weapons industry is the prospect that it will keep going and keep growing without oversight, without public debate, and end up taking over more and more of our civil society and public institutions, leaving us with an increasingly hollow shell and turned into a nuclear fiefdom here in New Mexico, and Congress forgetting how to say no and just saluting every time the word nuclear weapon is mentioned and saying, where do I sign for the money? That's the most frightening thing I can think of. My name is Mary Dixon. I'm a downwinder, suffered thyroid cancer, lost family. I have worked on this issue for decades. What scares me most about nuclear is how many people it affects. It is so widespread, and most people who were affected will have no idea they were. That's what scares me the most. My name is Adam Salkin. What scares me about nuclear, there's too many things that come to mind, but I'll just uh, stick with just, you know, the, the death of it all. All the killing. All the, the killing it does. And the pain and suffering. That's what scares me. Yeah. My name is Manit Joe Green, and I was the Environmental Action Director for Hudson River Sloop Clearwater for 23 years, recently retired, 
and continued to serve as an Ulster County legislator where I focus on energy, environment, sustainability, and climate solutions. What I find the scariest about nuclear is how much damage it can do. Not only if there is an accident at a nuclear power facility, but the damage that was done by atomic testing and that same community in Texas and New Mexico are suffering from mining and processing, and the government wants to store all of the highly radioactive nuclear waste from around the country there. But there's also a connection between nuclear power and nuclear weapons. And that, I think, is the scariest, that if they do reprocess spent nuclear waste, it becomes the fuel for nuclear weapons. And in this day and age, many things could trigger the use of nuclear weapons. They have been used in the past. We know the effects at Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and that is absolutely the scariest. But it's also what to do with the waste from nuclear power plants. There's really no safe solution. Having radioactive material be released into the air, into the groundwater, into our waterways, and if there's a spill into the soil itself, is just not a reasonable activity for humans to participate in, especially because there are much better alternatives immediately available, and that's where the investment should go. My name is Torgan Johnson. I have four children 30 miles downwind of San Onofre. And what scares me about nuclear the most is that we're producing a waste stream that's going to be a contaminating the physical environment for essentially eternity. Something, a burden that my children and their children and their children's children have to inherit. And we don't seem to have a solution for it. Hi, I'm Karen Haddon. I'm the director of the SEED Coalition, which is Sustainable Energy and Economic Development. And we're based in Austin, Texas. We have been working on radioactive waste issues for a long time. And the thing that scares me most about radioactive waste is that dangerous and deadly high-level radioactive waste could get put on our highways come through cities and towns, downtown areas, and expose people everywhere to radiation. Just sitting at a train station or a crossing in their car and got exposed to this radioactive waste, there could be health implications from that, just from routine transport. If it was an accident and a release, it could be even more so. But we worry about pregnant women, children, elderly people, anyone who gets exposed up close to this deadly waste because it can cause cancers, it can cause deaths, and it can contaminate our waterways and air. And we certainly want to protect the health and lives and safety of people everywhere. Hey, Libby, it's Steve in Sondheim. I'm a member of the Sierra Club. 
The thing that scares me the most is that all of our money is going to go into nuclear. We're going to miss the opportunity for renewable and energy efficiency mission and storage to take the whole ballpark. We're going to delay to a point where the climate change is just going to take over. The other thing that scares me is it's so expensive that it's going to raise utility rates probably more than three times what they are now. And people, especially common folk, middle-class folk, are already suffering from extremely high costs that are going up. So it's two things. It's delaying the best solution, and it's rising the costs of energy. I'm Michael Ketterer. I'm a chemist, and I'm Professor Emeritus of Chemistry and Biochemistry at Northern Arizona University. What really scares me the most about the entire nuclear industry complex is our impending loss of societal memory of what we have done. What scares me is that future generations will live in a world where all of the things that we know about as serious contamination or threats are long forgotten. You know, will we know about the San Onofre canisters in a thousand years? So that's what keeps me awake at night. Hi, I'm Kathy Iwane, an evacuee from Japan due to the Fukushima triple nuclear meltdowns. I'm also a vocal public safety advocate at San Onofre Nuclear Waste Dump in Southern California. I work closely with sanclementegreen.org and with publicwatchdogs.org. What scares me most about nuclear is the powers that be have no solution to the problem of mounting nuclear waste, deadly for an eternity, stranded at sites all over the U.S. There's no permanent storage solution, nor is there a plan for permanent containment. Yet, they continue to make more waste in the era of fires, terrorism, earthquakes, and floods. This is the nightmare mandated by law. If there's an accident, the powers that be are protected while we lose health, life, and property. My name's Bill. I'm a retired judge advocate from the Air Force, spent 20 years dealing with military legal issues. I got involved in the San Onofre issue because I felt like it was a legal problem to be burying that waste on a military base. And what scares me most about nuclear is I don't think any of us want to wear the radiation for Halloween. I'm Daryl. I live in Los Angeles. What scares me about nuclear is that for, I believe, 50 years, we've been making more and more nuclear waste, and nobody is taking responsibility, especially the federal government, the NRC, the DOE, the DOT, as to packaging it up and moving it someplace safer than where it is. Everybody has been ignoring it and it makes me angry and crazy and nobody wants to think about it. They just want to think about the easy things like, oh, we need more energy. We need more electricity. Let's use those new SMRs. Let's do this. Let Bill Gates says this. So that's what makes me angry and crazy. My name is Stephen Vogue. What scares me most about nuclear, whether it be waste or our nuclear arsenal, is that it's ubiquitous. It's all over the planet now. And we're facing right now a possibility of a nuclear conflagration 
because of the saber rattling between the U.S. and many other countries right now. One of the things that Helen Caldicott said, all it takes is one particle to get into your lungs and a few years later you can have cancer. None of the countries seem to really care about that one. They just want to be able to pick it up on a radiation monitor. It doesn't work. So we're exposed to radiation all the time. If these canisters break loose, I think that um, it's going to be a conflagration that's going to possibly end the United States. So my biggest scare right now is that and the potential nuclear conflagration that seems to be on the precipice at this moment. Hi, my name is Leona Morgan with Hall No, hallno.com. And the thing that scares me most about nuclear is what it does to our non-human relatives and our future generations. Hi, my name is Peter McBride. With the theme of Halloween in mind, what scares me most about man's mining and then concentrating nuclear elements for medical applications, energy production, and weapons of war is that from Madame Curie's experimenting with radium at the turn of the 20th century to over 2,000 atomic bomb explosions to the hundreds of incidents of nuclear material mishandling and atomic plant fires and meltdowns, all of which have released unknown quantities of radiation into our atmosphere, radioactive material is accumulating in the environment for our children, adults, and other creatures of the Earth. This radiation will only increase and will remain in the environment virtually forever. Radioactive isotopes from Oppenheimer's first atomic bomb explosion still remain in the air and dust of the world to this day, and there's no way to account for those who might inhale radioactive particles and come down with cancer or chromosomal damage decades later. This is what scares me most. My name's Myla Reason, and nuclear power freaks me out. I'm freaked out about nuclear power because it's like a time bomb, radioactive time bomb, waiting to destroy the world. My name is Lori Hedrick. I'm with San Clemente Green. And I think what scares me most is the danger of the nuclear waste, obviously, and that we don't really have a good solution right now. But I am encouraged that through this film, SOS, Hopefully we'll raise awareness. I think so many people are just not aware. And I think once people understand what the situation is, hopefully we can, you know, have a real movement towards making it a better situation for all of us and all living things. It's such a danger to everything. Hi, my name is Linda Lewison. I'm with Nuclear Energy Information Service. I'm the current president in Chicago. It's a watchdog on the nuclear industry in Illinois for the past 42 years and a safe energy group. What I find scariest about nuclear energy is I've learned partly from Nature Bats Last with Guy McPherson, who says that there are many things happening in the world that will end human life as we know it. And he singles out the nuclear industry and nuclear reactors in particular as one thing we can do about to ameliorate the situation. We can't do anything about asteroids and the other 35 things he says will end life as we know it, but we can do something about nuclear reactors and they need to be closed. My name's Kevin Hester. I'm a New Zealand Irishman and have the best and the worst of both of those traits. I've been in, in the anti-nuclear movement for four and a half decades now. The thing that weighs heaviest on my mind 
is the possibility of having a spent fuel pool fire at one of the nuclear power stations. For anyone who doesn't know what a spent fuel pool is, it's when the fuel units have been removed from the reactor, they put them into these pools full of water to keep them cool, and they have to keep them cool for years and years and years. And when we had the disaster in Fukushima Daiichi, was it 12 years ago now? Since then, those plants have been barely maintained because in some of them you can't even get to some of those areas. And then, of course, we've got abrupt climate change barreling down the tracks at us at full speed. So I think it's only a matter of time before we see a spent fuel pool fire. And this planet has never, ever seen anything remotely like the existential threat that that would pose to us. My name is Jim Heddle. I'm the co-director of the Ecological Options Network, E.ON., And what scares me most about nuclear is the fact that so few of the public are aware of the existential threat that it represents globally for our whole nuclear complex is a threat to us all. My name is Mindy Morrison, and I'm a longtime friend of Libby Haleve. And what really scares me the most is that she's absolutely right, and we're going down the My name is Jan Goodman from the National Lawyers Guild, and what scares me most about nuclear power is the possibility and the inevitability of accidents, and then what happens to all of the radioactivity that was going to go into the atmosphere and kill us. My name is Mary Beth Brangan. Ecological Options Network, and I'm the director of SOS, the San Onofre Syndrome, Nuclear Power's Legacy. And what's most frightening about nuclear issues is it's everywhere. It is everywhere on our continent, in our region, in our state, and it's not being addressed. The dangers are unrecognized. And so I'm hoping that the film that we are just now releasing helps to make people aware of what's going on and how they need to get involved. My name is Norbert Zuchanek. I am the director of the International Radio Film Festival. I'm a journalist. What scares me most about nuclear is that so many nuclear engineers Ignore the risks of nuclear. That scares me most. We have here in Rio de Janeiro two nuclear power plants and a third one in construction for the last 30 years. This is a nuclear power plant that was bought 20 years ago, more than 20 years ago, from Germany and was never really finally constructed. And it's already too old. And still the government wants to put in some billion dollars to finalize this already too old nuclear power plant. And this is one of the things that scares me very much here in the state of Rio de Janeiro. Hi, I'm Marcus Witte. And I would say there's two things that scare me the most about nuclear power. What do you do with the waste? And then how do we educate our politicians because they don't seem to understand one iota about this byproduct? Hello, I'm Nancy Naparco. 
I'm a member of Americans for Democratic Action, Progressive Americans. And what scares me the most about nuclear is that it injures the human existence on the most fundamental level, the cells of our body and the genetics of future generations. And it's never going to go away, that it's going to be on this earth longer than any of us and probably human existence. Yate, hello, my name's Anna Rondon. I am Kiaani from Navajo Homelands, and I am with the New Mexico Social Justice Institute, and we work on uranium issues. And what really scares me the most about the nuclear weapons and energy is the beasts and the monsters that are being made for the past 80 years, and the serpent has been released in terms of ancient teachings we knew was going to be detrimental to humankind. So that's what I'm scared of. Hi, my name is Brian Morrison. I'm a space scientist for the last 40 years. My biggest fear about nuclear radiation is it leaking into the ground and leaking into our food chain. That's my number one concern, what I'm really afraid of. My name's Myla Reason, and nuclear power freaks me out. I'm freaked out about nuclear power because it's like a time bomb, radioactive time bomb, waiting to destroy the world. Hi, my name's Tim Deer Jones. I'm a marine radioactivity researcher and consultant. And my big scary thing about the nuclear industry is its ability to enroll and enclose governments and media with a series of big lies. This starts in 1954, when we were told that nuclear energy would be too cheap to meter. This was Lewis Strauss, chairman of the US Atomic Energy Commission. And in that speech, when he said that, he also said that nuclear energy would make great periodic famines a matter of history. That was a lie. It would allow effortless travel over and under sea and through the air and with a minimum of danger and at great speed. That's turned out to be a lie. These things are typical of the nuclear industry as overpromise and underdeliver, as we've seen through generations of nuclear sites where time and cost overruns have generated enormous expense for the public purse. And this goes right through to the 2020s when the nuclear industry came up with this latest big lie, which was telling us that nuclear industry is going to be the panacea for all our worries about climate change because it's low carbon. And that's a big lie as well. As uh, anybody will tell you once they've had a look at the carbon cost of putting in the concrete for all the nuclear installations, both the existing ones and the proposed SMNRs, and also the fact that all nuclear sites to date produce something called sulfur hexafluoride as a gas, which is about 2,000 times more potent than carbon dioxide. There's another big lie. And that just astonishes me that they can do that. And the gullible media and the gullible politicians soak it up time after time and never look back at the last big lie, which we then, by that time, we know that that was a big lie. But they're happy enough to swallow the new big lies. So that's what's scary as far as I'm concerned. My name is Laurie Hedrick. I'm with San Clemente Green. And I think what scares me most is the danger of the nuclear waste, obviously, and that we don't really have a good solution right now. But I am encouraged that through this film, SOS, hopefully we'll raise awareness. I think so many people are just not aware. And I think once 
people understand what the situation is, hopefully we can, you know, have a real movement towards making it a better situation for all of us and all living things is such a danger to everything. My name is Tanya Moss, and I'm the director of the Peace Resource Center at Wilmington College, and you can find us at www.wilmington.edu backslash PRC. What scares me the most about nuclear is that the sole use of nuclear weapons in the U.S. is determined by the president, and there are no checks on presidential authorization of a nuclear attack, regardless of their mental capacity, malleability to influence, and other political motivations. The fact as a democracy, we are willing to develop weapons of mass destruction that target and kill millions of civilians, let alone let one person of authority determine their use is terrifying in my mind. My name is Marcia Gomes, and I'm founder of International Uranium Film Festival. What might scare most about nuclear issues is the power of the powerful woman and men who think the war is the way of the life. Because this, I do the Uranium Film Festival. I'm Carl Grossman from Enviro Video. And what scares me most about nuclear power is that it's deadly dangerous and uh, is being pushed even though it is totally unnecessary. My name is Lori Hedrick. I'm with San Clemente Green. And I think what scares me most is the danger of the nuclear waste, obviously, and that we don't really have a good solution right now. But I am encouraged that through this film, SOS, hopefully we'll raise awareness. I think so many people are just not aware. And I think once people understand what the situation is, hopefully we can you know, have a real movement towards making it a better situation for all of us and all living things is such a danger to everything. My name is Morgan Peterson. I'm with the Ecological Options Network. And what scares me most about nuclear is the unknown, that people are no longer thinking about it, that people no longer consider the extreme dangers that come with a potential accident and a potential leak at any of these reactors all over the country and all over the world. They just shrug it away, and it's not something to shrug away. It's, in fact, still very dangerous and will continue to be dangerous till the end of time. I hope that as we move forward that people can be reawakened to this issue because it is going to affect us no matter whether or not there's an accident. There's still the fact that the product of the plants need to be dealt with and we don't have solutions and people are just so unaware. Dawn Chapman had some additional observations about not only why she was scared about nukes, but why those in the industry might be experiencing some fear themselves. My name is Dawn Chapman. I'm a mom who lives in St. Louis, Missouri, co-founder of Just Moms STL and the mom of a family who's been poisoned by radioactive waste from the Manhattan Project, from the legacy in World War II. The reason I think that the officials and the agencies are scared is because they know we're right. Our stories, our illnesses, what we're bringing to the table, they know that this radioactive legacy is way more dangerous than their science shows. And they know it's only a matter of time before we force them to change those formulas 
and the real picture of the harm that this has caused this entire nation comes to light, and possibly the world. Esteemed veteran nuclear activist Harvey Wasserman introduced himself by his favorite nickname, which is also indicative of the kind of impact that he has made during more than four decades fighting against nukes. Hi, I'm Sluggo, and what scares me about nuclear power most is everything. And he should know. And then there's me. Hi, I'm Libby Halevi. I'm the producer-host of Nuclear Hot Seat, and I'm a survivor of the nuclear accident at Three Mile Island from just one mile away. What scares me most about nuclear is that it is forever. We can play around with terms like half-life and try and do projections into tens and hundreds of thousands of years, but let's face it, the human lifespan is at best, on average, 70 to 80 years, with a few outliers making it to as much as 100. So how many human lifespans, how many generations are represented when we say plutonium, which is part of every nuclear bomb and is created as part of the waste stream of every nuclear reactor that ever has existed or that will exist, has a half-life of 24,000 years. So stop playing semantic games and splitting hairs. We're talking about forever, eternity. The mistakes that have already been made in the first 80 years of the atomic age will haunt and plague this planet forever. The kinds of decisions that have been made and continue to be made about nuclear will be a curse upon life for all eternity. Only God or spirit or whatever you believe your higher power to be has the right to make that kind of a decision, those kinds of decisions. And last time I looked, God was not one of the commissioners at the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. God was not present at the International Atomic Energy Agency, no matter what Raphael Grossi thinks of himself. God is not in the White House, the Kremlin, the Pentagon, the Russian Ministry of Defense, California Public Utilities Commission, Holtec, or any other nuclear entity you can name. We do not have the right to casually and cavalierly release into the environment a deadly toxin, a deadly substance that will last, in human terms, for all eternity. Anything called a cleanup is just mushing it around and kicking the can down the road to whatever minority-based community that does not have the strength and the resources to fight back. But it's all still right here. Earth is a rock in the middle of a bubble in the middle of nowhere. What happens on Earth stays on Earth, except for the times that we have launched radioactive materials into space and crashed them into Jupiter, planned to put them on the moon and Mars, meaning this radioactive garbage will not stay on Earth, but we are now polluting beyond our radioactive borders with no knowledge of what this material will do in formerly nuclear pristine planets, and other heavenly bodies. The arrogance, the hubris, the short-sightedness 
of those who are cavalierly continuing to make more, more, more nuclear waste with no place to deal with it, no way to store it safely, no way to neutralize it. They are blithely playing with the future of everything that lives, all the while taking on the mantle of God or gods, when really, I do believe they are on the other side. And that's what scares me most about nuclear and keeps me producing nuclear hot seat every week. So, happy Halloween. Are you scared yet? Realize that the antidote to any fear-freeze response you may be having, the one way out, is to take action. Write a letter. Call a congressperson. Bring it up at meetings of the PTA, business networking events, while standing in line at Trader Joe's. Stir up what the late civil rights leader and member of the House of Representatives, John Lewis, used to call good trouble. Make things tougher for the nuclear industry to get away with their lies and their money grabs and force the government to make those who promote nuclear accountable for its devastating impact. Meanwhile, after hearing a litany like that, I need to go eat something with a lot of sugar in it. Activist, activist, shout out, shout out, shout out. If you would like to enjoy, if that's the proper word, some more scary stories about nuclear, check out Scary Hanford Stories about the Hanford site in eastern Washington state, the place where for 40 years America manufactured all the plutonium used in this country's nuclear weapons and which has earned the title of the most polluted place in America. The event was put together for Zoom by Hanford Challenge and Columbia Riverkeeper. So turn the lights down low, except for maybe that nuclear glow, and hear about close calls and ongoing threats from invisible sources, all of them nuclear. We'll have a link up to the scary Hanford stories on our website, nuclearhotseat.com, under this episode, number 645. If you live in or know someone who lives in Illinois, heads up. Dave Kraft director of Nuclear Energy Information Service based in Chicago, has put out an action alert. Between now and November 9, residents of Illinois urgently need to contact their state representative and their state senator to urge that they uphold Governor Pritzker's veto of State Bill 76. Otherwise, SB 76 will end Illinois' several decades-long moratorium against building new nuclear reactors in the state. There's also a new bill, SB 2591, that would do the same thing, and it needs to be opposed. If you reside in Illinois, please take direct action ASAP, and we will link on the website to NEIS and their information about this so that you can respond knowledgeably. We'd like to add, once you have responded, please send the information to at least two other people you know who live in Illinois so that they can contact their legislators as well. This moratorium has been a good law for many years, and in order to protect people and the environment, it needs to continue. So that's uphold Governor Pritzker's veto of SB 76 and sink SB 2591. There's a terrific new book out called Atomic Days, the untold story of the most toxic place in America, and it exposes how the Hanford site 
The nuclear production complex set up along the Columbia River in the state of Washington by the Manhattan Project and has produced nearly all the radioactive fuel used in the nuclear arsenal of the United States is laced with huge amounts of what's technically called radioactive gunk and is a ticking time bomb that could erupt at any given moment, creating a nuclear Chernobyl-like explosion, resulting in a singular tragedy that would be unlike anything the United States has ever experienced. The book is written by Joshua Frank, and leave it to Carl Grossman, our eminence grise, our great gray eminence of a journalist, to be the first to snag him. Carl's interview with author Frank for his long-running show, Enviro Close-Up, is now airing nationally, syndicated by Free Speech TV on 200 cable TV systems in 40 states, on the major TV networks, Dish and Direct TV, and on Internet platforms. We will get Carl's links up for you on the website. And in addition, this sounds like a great interview. Looks like I have to send an email out and see if we can get Joshua Frank on this show. And here's a heads up for you from March 2nd to March 10 of 2024. The International Uranium Film Festival is coming to North America. It will be touring 10 states and more than 12 cities, and besides the United States will include Vancouver, Canada. IUFF co-founder and director Norbert Suchanik says we will be showing important eye-opening films about risks and consequences of uranium mining, the use of nuclear power, nuclear arms, and uranium weapons. The IOFF will start in March in Albuquerque and Window Rock, the capital of the Navajo Diné Nation. From there, the festival will go on its marathon tour. Cities already included with fixed dates are Tucson, Santa Fe, Asheville, North Carolina, Seattle, Portland, Salem, Irvine, Santa Barbara, and Las Vegas. The festival's website is uraniumfilmfestival.org. And full disclosure, I am currently serving as the ambassador to the United States for the film festival. So I will have all the latest news and we will continue to update it here on Nuclear Hot Seat. And a film that won an award at the 2021 International Uranium Film Festival, Atomic Cover-Up, is coming to PBS stations in the month of November. This extraordinary award-winning film by Greg Mitchell presents the earliest footage that was taken after the bombs were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, including color footage from Nagasaki that has been under top-secret suppression for decades. The narration comes from the cameramen themselves who were there and saw it and did it, including the Japanese cameraman who went to Hiroshima the next day after the bomb was dropped to get newsreel footage, and who had never been interviewed, but he did write a book. It's available only in Japanese, so Greg had it translated into English and had a Japanese actor present the narration. This film is everything that Oppenheimer is not and shows you exactly what the man was wincing about when he looked at the screen and saw slides that, unfortunately, director Christopher Nolan never chose to show to the audience. We will, of course, have a link for that as well. This has been Nuclear Hot Seat for Tuesday, October 24, 2023. If you want to make certain you never miss a single episode of Nuclear Hot Seat, well, we make it real easy for you to do. 
go to our website, nuclearhotseat.com, and a big yellow box pops up. Put in your first name and your email address. That puts you on our database, and every week you will get one, just count it one, we don't bug you, one email that includes a link to that week's show and a brief description of some of the material that is in it. If you listen to podcasts a lot, you might prefer to set it up so that Nuclear Hot Seat pops up on your podcast platform of choice. Either way, you deserve to know the cutting-edge information about nuclear from a different perspective, meaning one that's not controlled by the nuclear industry. So make it easy on yourself. Sign up. We'll send you that email. And at the same time, by getting on our database, you're helping with our Google algorithms. Don't ask me exactly what that means. I trust that it's a good thing. Now, your good things. You know things. You see things on the ground in front of you in your own community regarding nuclear. So I need your help. What are you seeing? What's going on? If you have a story and a lead, a hot tip, or a suggestion of someone to interview, send an email to info at nuclearhotseat.com. And remember, the big ask If you can go to Nuclear Hot Seat and donate, we really need your help. Anything at all, and know that we appreciate your support in keeping this show going. This episode of Nuclear Hot Seat is copyright 2023, Libby Halevi and Nuclear Hot Seat. All rights reserved, but fair use allowed, as long as you cite the program, the website, name of guests whose comments you use, and me. For now... This is Libby Halevi of Nuclear Hot Seat and Hardestry Communications, reminding you that as Professor Howard Zinn said, to be hopeful in bad times is based on the fact that human history is not only of cruelty, but also of compassion, sacrifice, courage, kindness. If we see only the worst, it destroys our capacity to do something. If we remember those times and places where people have behaved magnificently. This gives us the energy to act. And if we do act, in however small a way, we don't have to wait for some grand utopian future. The future is an infinite succession of presents, and to live now as we think human beings should live, in defiance of all that is bad around us, is itself a marvelous victory. There you go. That has been your weekly nuclear wake-up call. So whatever you do, don't go back to sleep. Because we are all in the nuclear hot seat. Nuclear hot seat. What are those people thinking? Nuclear hot seat. What have those boys been drinking? Nuclear hot seat. The corium is sinking. Our time to act is shrinking, but our activists are linking. Nuclear hot seat. It's the bomb.